Hey everyone, Peter Dugan here, and welcome to the podcast. If you like what we're doing, please consider making a contribution to our efforts at fromthetop.org. We are a lean, independent nonprofit and would be grateful for your help. Thanks, everyone, and enjoy the program. From NPR, it's From the Top, celebrating the power of music in the hands of America's kids. Hello, good friends, and welcome to the program. I'm pianist Peter Dugan, the guy who gets to introduce you to superb young artists here week after week. And today's show is jam-packed with them. Not only that, but we've got a special guest artist gracing the proceedings. Anthony McGill, the principal clarinetist for the New York Philharmonic and a major leader in the world of classical music, will be joining me in the second half of the show to hang out with our young musicians, perform a little Brahms, and to play one of his all-time favorite pieces by Francis Poulenc. But let's start off the program with a fantastically charismatic performance by a teenage violinist from Miami. Her name is Sofia Molina, and I just have to say, at our music rehearsal, from the very first phrase she played, she made everybody stand up at attention. It was absolutely stunning. She's got phenomenal bravado and flair, and you're going to hear what I mean. Here's her performance of the Bordel 1900 movement from Astor Piazzolla's Histoire du Tango, with yours truly at the piano. Thank you. 
the Bordel 1900 movement of Astor Piazzolla's Histoire du Tango, arranged by Dimitri Varelas and performed by 19-year-old violinist Sofia Molina from Miami, Florida. Peter Dugan here, and I collaborated with her at the piano and had a blast doing it. You just bring so much fire to that piece. It was so great. Thank you so much. I had a lot of fun. Me too. <laughs> you know, just hearing that performance, one might think that you're Argentinian because you play tango so well, but of course you're not. Talk about your family's background. So I was born and raised in Miami, Florida, but my entire family is from Caracas, Venezuela, mm. and I actually have dual citizenship. Um, so it's really nice knowing that I can be considered from both parts of the world. Yeah. I love the fact that you've said that your parents have been your biggest teachers as far as art and, and culture goes. What do you mean by that? Yeah, my parents love learning about different things and they're very curious people in general. And they've taught me to be curious myself. Mm. And they're always trying to introduce new things into the house. And we listen to all kinds of music, like any music you can imagine. It's been played in my house. And my dad is actually really interested in like um, exotic instruments um, and nice. they've really taught me to just expand my horizons and be curious about everything and learn new things all the time. Mm. And yet, when you wanted to play the violin, when you first were getting interested in playing the violin, didn't they like kind of try to ignore your request? <laughs> yeah. Tell that story. I was like four years old at the time and I'd gone to my aunt's house and there was a youth violin choir rehearsing in their backyard. Mm -hmm. And I saw this and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I immediately asked my parents to let me do what they were doing and like get a violin. And obviously as a four-year-old, like you don't really know what you want yet. So they're right. like, oh, it's one of those things that she'll grow out of. And they just kept telling me like, oh yeah, we ordered it. It's coming in the mail. So for months, every time the mailman <laughs> came by my house, I would run to the door and see if it was my violin. <laughs> and then after a while of my parents seeing that I was just so devastated that my violin hadn't come yet, they figured like, okay, we got to do something because it's not going to go away. They thought that eventually you just figure it got lost in the mail or you just forget about it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So now you're, you, you've moved from Miami you're in New York here studying at Juilliard, just totally immersing yourself uh, more than ever in the world of classical music. And yet you've commented that you don't see a whole lot of Hispanic violinists. Yes. What's that been like? It's been really interesting um, seeing the lack of Hispanic representation. Um, but it's also really inspiring because it kind of motivates me to work towards bringing that representation in and yep. making more diversity. And it's, yeah. and then ultimately you inspiring more and more people yes. to want to be like you. Yeah. Well, you've made it. You're continuing <laughs> to make it. And uh, so happy to have you on the show. And that was a blast playing pizza all together. Thank you so much. Thank you. Sophia Molina, 19 years old, from Miami, Florida. If you subscribe to From the Top's podcast, you can download whatever episodes you want and listen on demand. They're available at fromthetop.org. For the last 15 years, From the Top and the Jack Kent Cooke Foundation have awarded over $3 million in scholarships to talented young musicians who have financial need. We still have more to give. Go to fromthetop.org to learn more. Peter. 
French composer Roland Dion's is a major favorite of the young guitarists who apply to From the Top. Year after year, our players love him for the way he can incorporate aggressive, almost rock and roll rhythm into his pieces, and the way that he draws on all sorts of cultural influences. We're going to enjoy an arrangement by Roland Dion's now of the legendary jazz standard Round Midnight by Thelonious Monk. Our performer is the excellent 16-year-old guitarist Reed Park from San Francisco, California.
Reed Park, 16 years old from San Francisco, California, performed Round Midnight by Thelonious Monk, arranged by Roland Dion's. And I just want to say thank you, Reed, for bringing one of my all-time favorite pieces of music by one of America's greatest composers, Thelonious Monk. You captured the spirit of this piece beautifully. Oh, thank you. And you're also a composer. Let's listen to a bit of a beautiful piece that you wrote for solo flute. So gorgeous. What is this piece called? And talk about how it came about. Uh, this is a piece called uh, Beyond. And um, it's very it's a very longing piece. And then at some points, it it sort of dreams about what's what's going to happen. And then there's a lot of there's an evolution from the beginning where it's, oh, I wish I could. I don't know. Maybe it's go outside <laughs> during <laughs> during the last year or this is what I'm going to do. And by the end, it's it's even more resolute. Mm. I read that you also have a pretty cool idea for a symphonic work. Are you willing to share that concept? Sure. So I think <laughs> I like nature. I'll just put it out there like that. Uh, I think ants are super fascinating. And after reading way too much about it, I thought this is a great uh, theme for an orchestral piece. Ooh, so a piece about ants. Are there going to be different movements? The sort of like the worker ants movement, the fire ants movement, or am I totally right. off? I think uh, leaf cutters are super super cool to me, and so like many ants, actually do um, multiple casts of workers. And I thought this piece is going to be all about scale, and because mm. if I can impart like through musical parallax, like there's some foreground, like all the the skittering of legs, and then there's some midground. There's um, larger soldier ants say or the queen and then in the background actually that's where the queen should be and yeah. uh you have multiple just layers and it'll sound really cool especially with a full the, the full symphony like lending itself to those sort of textures that would sound awesome and i'd especially like to be able to experience that concert with some kind of like augmented reality glasses on where it makes me feel like i'm the size of an ant and you know the the double bases are the size of skyscrapers. Uh, I'm seeing it now. Well, Reed, thank you so much for sharing your music with us and all of these passions. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, sure. Thank you. Reed Park, 16 years old from San Francisco, California. I'm pianist Peter Dugan, and musically now we're going to shift into a deeply reflective place. 16-year-old violist Esther Clayton from Bountiful, Utah, brought us the spiritual Here's One, as composed by William Grant Still. At the piano is her father, Paul Clayton.
16-year-old violist Esther Clayton from Bountiful, Utah, performed Here's One by William Grant Still, and her dad, Paul, collaborated with her at the piano. Wow, Esther, you did such a beautiful job of interpreting William Grant Still's writing, but you also conveyed the underlying spiritual that this piece is based on with so much depth. I really love that performance. Thank you. Would you mind telling me what is going through your head when you start a piece like that that's so powerful and and takes us to that very emotional place? I just kind of think about being emotionally in tune. It's a song of devotion. So I think of some of the experiences that I've had in terms of, like, religion and stuff. How do you make sense of the fact that this is, as you said, a song of devotion and religious devotion, and yet it's just so sad? I mean, have you thought about the sort of—is that a paradox there, or how do you make sense of that? Um, I feel like it's—it it's, isn't just sad. Like, it's— it's it's pained. It, it, it has pain to it, but I think mm. maybe part of that is joy. Like this experience, this spiritual is still, the emotion of it is still beautiful. The singer, the person right. who is using this music to tell a story, this feeling is still beautiful to them, even though there's pain behind right. it. Right. That's such a beautiful way of describing it, Esther. Now, I read that there's a story behind the viola that you just performed on. It's my grandma's. Um, and I think when she was a teenager or something, um, they bought it secondhand, actually. Uh, we don't know how old it is, but it's really old. Um, yeah, and at first I didn't actually like it. I don't know why, but I preferred my school instrument. So I, hmm. I must have been crazy or something. But uh, I ended up falling in love with it. And now it's kind of really nice because I never got to know my grandma. She died before I was wow. born. So whenever I play it, I kind of feel like I'm connecting with her in a way through this instrument that we have both played. I think it's so beautiful that you're carrying out your grandmother's legacy in that way. But also, your dad is a huge musical influence, too. I mean, we just heard him play the piano with you, but doesn't he also play other instruments, too? Yeah, I think in the past he's played viola, violin, guitar, bass, clarinet, and also the bagpipes. I'm getting the picture of your dad's side. Now, tell me a little bit about your mom's side of the family. Uh, My mom is from Sierra Leone. Uh, around Freetown. Um, yeah, a lot of my family is on the East Coast. So uh, my mom's side of the family is on the East Coast. So uh, we don't really get to see them very often. Um, but when we do, it's always a lot of fun. There's a lot of food and dancing and music. And yeah. Now, you've got clearly a very vibrant and musical home life, but you're also in your junior year, right, of high school. How about music? Um, is it going to be your life, or are you still undecided? Um, so I don't know where I'll go with music. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to pursue it when I'm older, uh, but I know that I want to keep it in my life because it is really valuable to me, so... Yeah. 
Great. That's a beautiful and healthy attitude, I think. And it's wonderful to know that music will always be there for you, no matter whether that does become your profession or whether it's something that you have just for you. It's always there for you. And you're still so young. You don't have to decide just yet. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Esther Clayton, 16 years old, from Bountiful, Utah. Nine out of ten young musicians recommend watching Daily Joy videos every day to significantly improve the quality of one's life. These Daily Joy videos feature beautiful music performances by young artists, and you can sign up for the fun at fromthetop.org. Support for NPR comes from this station. And from the Jack Kent Cook Foundation, providing scholarships to high-achieving students with financial need. jkcf.org. From the Volgenau Foundation, supporting programs that protect the environment, educate children, and promote classical music. And from the Public Welfare Foundation, committed to advancing a transformative approach to justice that is community-led, restorative, and racially just. Learn more at publicwelfare.org. From NPR, it's From the Top, celebrating the power of music in the hands of America's kids. Coming up, today's special guest artist, clarinetist Anthony McGill, performs the music of Johannes Brahms and Francis Poulenc. Our in-person work in New York City this week is hosted by the Power Station Recording Studio at Berkeley, NYC. From the Top's host, pianist Peter Dugan, is sponsored by Susan and Gerald Slavitt. As Joanne just mentioned, Anthony McGill, who is one of the finest clarinet soloists in the world and the principal clarinetist of the New York Philharmonic, is the special guest artist joining us for the rest of the program today. Many of you may remember Anthony for his sublime performance at the first inauguration of President Barack Obama, but he's also such an important leader in the field of music education and addressing issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion in classical music. He joined us to record in New York City. Anthony, it's such an honor for me personally to be able to meet you and have you here as part of From the Top. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Of course, the main point of you being here is so that you can spend time with the young artists that we feature. So let me get right to it and introduce you to the exceptional 14-year-old cellist sitting next to you. From right here in Manhattan, this is Noah Chung Eigelman. Welcome to the show, Noah. Hi, it's such an honor to be here. Kind of cool that you get to play with Anthony McGill, right? Oh, my God, totally, yes. (laughs) Anthony, would you let everyone know what the three of us are about to perform? We're about to play the Brahms Trio for clarinet, piano, and cello. We sure are. This is the final movement, 
And whenever you two are ready, let's take it from the top. Thank you. 
final movement of the trio for clarinet, cello, and piano in A minor by Johannes Brahms. Our guest artist today, Anthony McGill, was our clarinetist, along with yours truly at the piano, and 14-year-old Noah Chung Eigelman on cello. Noah, that was unbelievably expressive and powerful, that performance. Uh, Anthony, what are you hearing in this young man's playing? Oh my gosh, there's there's something in the in the, your sound that just like reaches inside. And it's just like so beautiful and so big, and I could just kind of blend right in there in the, the the middle of your tone, and it's just so much power in your playing. I just love it. Thank you so much. You are amazing. Thanks, Noah. You have something in common with Anthony here. You both have special relationships with your respective brothers. I read that you, Noah, were actually waiting for a brother for quite a while. Is that right? Yeah, for the first seven years of my life, all I wanted was a playmate. Oh, well, what happened? Well, when I was seven years old, I eventually got one, but I was, I was a bit surprised that they weren't seven, year, seven years old coming out from the womb. That was a bit of an adjustment. <laughs> right, he wasn't exactly the same age as you, but so how old is he now? That makes him, what, seven? Now he is seven years old. Right, and you guys have a good time together. So does he study music? He actually does. He started the cello um, around three years ago, I'd say. Wow, that's awesome. Anthony, you um, have a brother, of course, who also is quite the musician. Yeah, my brother is amazing and was my role model growing up. Um, he plays the flute quite well, I would add. And he's yeah. the principal flutist of the Seattle Symphony now. So he was, it's so, so great to have him as a brother. Well, I want to continue this idea of relationships because I know that during the past year and a half with the lockdown and the pandemic, you, Noah, found yourself like a lot of people reevaluating what it what a friendship really means and how to deal with a friendship. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that with us? Well, I wouldn't like consider myself like an especially social kid, but I had like a fair amount of friends in my middle school who I could like talk to and hang out with. Mm -hmm. But like as like the pandemic like went on, I start I basically I started to realize that like friendship, I kind of treated friendship as like a one-sided idea. Like hmm. I wouldn't really contribute in myself to a friendship and I would just expect entertainment and guidance from friends without giving any of myself. Hmm. So slowly as the pandemic went on, I had some friendships that I really like tried to like put my heart into and like tried to give back to them what they had been giving to me for so long. Through it. And yeah. I like asked them like how they were rather than just telling them how I were wasn't expecting advice back. Wow. Yeah, I, I think some of the things that you just mentioned about connecting to others in that way is really important. And so I remember I was calling and talking to my brother almost every day, mm -hmm. <laughs> and he lives across the country, and we don't do that normally, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that was um, something like that, where it's like sometimes you expect people to call you, but, you know, you can actually pick up the phone and call call them. And that, that was something, you know, with certain family members and and friends as well that was very interesting that, that I started to share a little bit more with them and they with me. Mm -hmm. So I really, I really, mm -hmm. um, it resonates with me a lot what you were talking about. Yeah, it's like that idea that when you open up by giving you also open yourself up to receive so much joy. Totally. Noah, um, I guess it's time to say goodbye. I wish we could just sit here and play that entire trio because to have you and also you, Anthony, 
Um, this has been such a treat. Thank you so much, Noah. I'm sure we're going to be hearing more from you very soon. Thank you so much. Noah Chung Eigelman, 14 years old from here in New York City. The young performers on our show are so impressive, sometimes you've just got to see it to believe it. And that's pretty easy to do, actually. Just go to fromthetop.org and check out all the fun video we put out every week. Not only do we have photos and video of our young players making radio with us, we've got our Daily Joy video series, virtual concerts, raucous pop music covers, and more. That's at fromthetop.org. I've got a question for you, Anthony. The question is this, what's better than one clarinetist? Let me take a stab at that. Sure. Five clarinetists. That Five is correct. Five clarinetists is the correct answer. See, to celebrate your visit to the show, we didn't want to just get one young clarinetist to play today. We had to get... Well, you know, my math is off. Let's include me in that. Six clarinetists Six in one room. Six clarinetists in one room. As you can plainly see before you, we have a superb teenage clarinet quintet joining us next. They're all members of the New York Youth Symphony, and their bass clarinetist, 17-year-old Jacob Cho, is at the mic. Jacob, will you tell us the name of your group and introduce your fellow members? We are Traumarai. We have our clarinetists, Katie Lee, DK Lee, Christian Lee, and Sunny Rue, and yours truly, Jacob Cho. Excellent. And what are the five of you going to play? We're going to be, pay, be playing La Petite Valse by Anton Maisayenka. Nice. Why don't you five take it from the top?
Teenagers in the Traumerei Clarinet Quintet from the New York Youth Symphony, coached by Sung Ho Choi, performed La Petite Valse by Anton Maisayenka. Their members include Katie Lee, Christian Lee, Sunny Rue, Jacob Cho, and D.K. Lee. Katie and Christian from the quintet have joined me and today's guest artist, Anthony McGill, at the mics. Anthony, as a clarinetist, your thoughts on that performance? That was absolutely stunning. I mean, so charming and bubbly, I would call it. Mm. Um, bravo. It was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. You know, that piece feels so nostalgic. Do you all have any visuals that come to mind or a story that goes with that lovely piece? Um, well, I think of, like, strolling down a village, um, just like, you know, skipping or dancing down a village alley, you know? Yeah, I can I can see that. Or like, it feels like you're floating, maybe like almost like you're floating on like clouds or something, like you're somewhere else. Wow. <laughs> Is there something unique about the sound of an ensemble with five clarinets that you especially like? I feel like clarinets, especially out of the other woodwinds, it has a very like round sound to it. Um, so when five of those clarinets kind of blend together... Um, I guess it creates this like serene almost atmosphere. Yeah, I agree. It's like, um, it sounds whole. Yeah. Five round sounds make a right sound. Oh, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Oh yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, playing in a chamber group like this, you know, one of the best things about that for me is the social element, being with your friends, making music together. But I read that you two also value your alone time as far as studying music goes. Katie, what does practicing and studying music alone mean to you these days? I feel like these days it's become almost like a source of relief. Um, Believe it or not, I look forward to practicing these days because it's just the time in my day where I can forget about everything else and just make music and have some fun Mm. and de-stress from everything going on. So wonderful. How about you, Christian? What are the moments that you value most when playing music on your own? Um, well, I look forward to um, li- listening to myself play, in a way. Um, it sounds kind of funny, but I, I would want to move myself um, when I'm playing my piece or practicing my piece. Because um, I feel like if I can't move myself... Like, who who else can I move, you know? Mm. So, yeah. Anthony, how about you? Given the sheer amount of music you're making all the time in a massive ensemble, namely the New York Philharmonic, do you, do you struggle to find moments where you're able to make music in the sort of quiet of, of solitude and just on your own? You know, I think back to when I was the age of... of uh, these this quintet actually yeah. and also those were some of the greatest moments i think of my life where i was discovering myself i was discovering so discovering what i really loved and um as you mentioned what what moved me and that's very important i think mm-hmm. that's a gift that we have as musicians to discover that so it's awesome to like be able to listen to you and and hear that coming from from your instruments as well Anthony, I can't thank you enough for sharing your insight and wisdom with these young clarinetists. 
And thank you to you, Katie and Christian, for such a wonderful performance. And, and everyone in the Tramorai Quintet, it was really so much fun to hear you. Thank, thank you. you. It was wonderful playing for you guys. Katie Lee, 16, and Christian Lee, 18, members of the Tramorai Clarinet Quintet. Peter Dugan here, along with our special guest today, clarinetist Anthony McGill. <laughs> hey, Peter. Hey. Nice to be here. It has been a pleasure and a joy and a privilege watching you connect with the young musicians on the program today. And since we're all about the teen and preteen years here from the top, I'm wondering if you could share a bit more about yourself from that time. And what I want to know is, is there a musical aha moment for you as a teenager, uh, an experience that you had or or people who you encountered that you feel had a, a pivotal impact on you and your career or trajectory as a musician? I, yeah, I, I was on a tour with um, my youth orchestra when I was mm. young. I was probably like 12 or something like that. Mm. And I just remember we did like Shostakovich's Fifth Symphony and like all these other, and a couple Bernstein pieces. And that was the kind of moment being there actually touring as a youngster playing in this great orchestra. Yeah where I just got such chills, like I got the chills, you know, and, yep. and it just, I was just like hooked, you know, I was like, this is this, I could do this and I could see myself doing it. Flashing forward now to the recent past, we've been through so much trauma and the classical music world is really changing and dealing with uh, this time of racial reckoning. In 2020, you created a really powerful video of yourself playing America the Beautiful, but with this minor key and and then at the end of the video you take two knees it's so powerful it went viral and it inspired many other musicians to make similar videos what i'm wondering is if you were a teenager right now living through this time as a black 14 year old classical musician how would you find hope what would be your refuge what would be your beacon of light Understanding that music not only is a gift for others, but it, that it can heal oneself mm. is something that's really powerful. And what I would recommend to myself at that age, yeah. or even now, um, is to build some sort of, I call it like a musical force field around yourself, mm. where you're able to stay on track for your to your dreams, you know, on that right track for you. Um, use music and your love of it to remain positive, to give you that light that's inside mm. and surround yourself with that light of others that also support your passion, that you can make a difference in the face of all of this um, violence and stress and trauma right. um, and, and use that as a, as a means of moving forward. I mean, that's just a wonderful message. Thank you for sharing that. Of course, you're no stranger to working with young people and inspiring young people. Can you talk for a moment about your work with Juilliard's Music Advancement Program? What is it? How did you get involved? Yeah, so I am the artistic director of the Music Advancement Program through the Juilliard School. Mm -hmm. And its mission is to find the most talented kids um, and from historically underrepresented backgrounds in classical music and give them um, that shot. Yeah. Uh, at the Juilliard School um, to experience a conservatory education and um, and to do so with um, a consciousness and an awareness of of um, how music can change your life and you can change others' lives with music in the community as well. Right. So we're giving a well-rounded um, 
education, not just about playing the instrument super well, mm -hmm. which is awesome, but also about how to be a good member of your community and, and the greater world. I, I love that, that you're doing that and the, the work you do with them. It's so important. And now it's the moment I've been waiting for. One of the great joys of having you on the show is that you and I get to play a piece together. And I am so excited to be your musical partner for what we're about to play. While I head to the piano, will you please introduce this famous piece of music that we're about to play? Yes, of course. It's my favorite piece of all time, possibly. It's the Francis Poulenc Sonata for Clarinet and Piano. And we're going to be playing the third movement. final movement of Francis Poulenc's Sonata for Clarinet and Piano. Pianist Peter Dugan here, and I had the privilege of performing that with our special guest today, 
clarinetist Anthony McGill. And I want to let you all know that Anthony's just released a new album with his longtime collaborator and good friend pianist Gloria Chen. It's called Here With You, and it features music by Brahms, Weber, and a powerful piece by contemporary composer Jesse Montgomery. You can find it on your digital platform of choice or at sedilrecords.org, spelled C-E-D-I-L-L-E. Before we go, I want to thank all the young performers we've met on the program today, not only for sharing their music with us, but also for sharing their humanity. And to you, listening in the car, or in the office, or while rinsing the lettuce at the sink, thanks for spending this time with us. I'm pianist Peter Dugan. Join us to meet more fantastic young artists next week on From the Top. From the Top is written and produced by Tim Banker with post-production mastering and editing by senior producer Tom Bagley. Our music director is Megan Swan and the production manager is Matt Dykeman. David Norville is assistant producer. Sound design and editing by John Escobar. From the Top's executive director is Gretchen Nielsen. I'm Joanne Robinson. Special thanks to Stephen Weber, Ian Kagey, and Loudon Stearns at the Power Station Berkeley, NYC. Today's program received engineering support from Ben Miller at the Power Station, Stoker White at Funk Studios in North Salt Lake, Utah, and Tom Disher at Disher Sound in San Francisco, California. From the Top is an independent nonprofit organization based in Boston. If you'd like to appear in our program, apply online at fromthetop.org. From the Top is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov.
Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism, offering visitors information about the arts, culture, and history of Boston. The journey begins at visitma.com. From Indeed, a hiring platform designed to help businesses attract, screen, interview, and ultimately hire candidates, all from one dashboard. More at indeed.com NPR. And from listeners like you who donate to this NPR station. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You know, while From the Top is distributed by NPR, it isn't owned by NPR. It's an independent nonprofit, and so we have to do our own fundraising to make it happen. Please consider making a donation to our ongoing entertainment and education programs at fromthetop.org.